Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, October 4th, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster, only working from my home in New York. But before I head up to Boston, Taylor, what a fun day on Sunday. Oh my gosh. I mean, I didn't realize it slipped my mind that all these games they start you know right around three o'clock so there's no one scoreboard watching I mean that is so much fun that is just an amazing way to end the season and in the end of the season to deliver I'm, I'm very excited for the postseason here well you said no one was scoreboard watching it felt like that's all we were doing right right well they, you know no one waiting around after the game like oh they lost so we only have to do xyz none of that none of that but uh still no. still a thrilling afternoon yeah, everybody started yesterday at 3.05 or 3.10 Eastern time, uh, noon or 12.05 or 12.10 Pacific time, and the Giants would take care of business, blowing out the San Diego Padres, wrapping up the National League West. Here's what it sounded like. And you know Leon wants to strike out Hosmer to end it. Got him! The Giants, for the first time since 2012, our champions of the National League West. The great Dwayne Kuyper, Mike Kruko on the Giants call right there, 107 wins. In L.A., the Dodgers would win but still fall short of the Giants by a game. Along the way, they would suffer a devastating injury. He at least puts it in play. Smith with a running throw, and Muncie in pain as Peterson reaches. Oh, no. It's one of the things you always worry about as a first baseman, that ball getting thrown up the line and your arm getting caught into the runner. Max Muncy getting hurt right there, a right elbow injury. Uh, you, this, the uh, voices you heard there, Joe Davis, Nomar Garciaparra on the Dodgers television network. Here was Dave Roberts after the game talking about the Muncy injury. Right now, uh, there was some testing, but it's still sort of unclear, um, you know, what, what it means, really. Um, I, I think that it's still painful. Um, I just don't want to, we don't want to close the door on a potential down-the-road postseason appearance. Um, so we're going to kind of see how he responds over the next few days and uh, see where it takes us. The Dodgers will host the Cardinals in the National League wildcard game on Wednesday. Adam Wainwright pitching against Max Scherzer. The Giants will await the winner of that game to face in the division series. We're going to be talking about all that coming up with Tim Kirkchin. First pitch is part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. In the American League on Sunday, the whole question was, who would come out of that American League wildcard race? Seattle needed a series of things to happen in order to make the playoffs, but they were jumped by Shohei Otani and Jared Walsh. Here's the 1-1 delivery, and Shohei drills a ball deep to right field, and it is out of here! The first batter of the game, Shohei Otani. He drills one out, home run number 46 of the season, and Sunday is showtime. Walsh is ready. The pitch swings at that one and drills a ball deep down the right side. It's out of here. 
Second night in a row that Walsh has hit one out against Seattle. That is a two-run shot, and that is a 6-2 Angels lead. Terry Smith on Angels Radio AM 830. Angels win the game 7-3, but overall, what a great season for the Mariners. Tim and I will be talking about that coming up. The Blue Jays and the Orioles, George Springer had himself a day to give the Blue Jays a chance. 2-1 pitch. That is crushed. Deep left center field. Back goes Mullins at the wall, and it is gone! It's gone! Grand Slam, George Springer! The sixth career Grand Slam for George Springer. 9-1 Toronto. That from Sportsnet 590, the fan, the Blue Jays would blow out the Orioles 12-4, and as the day developed, the situation was this. If either the Yankees or the Red Sox were to lose their games because everybody knew the Blue Jays were going to win, then the Blue Jays would wind up facing the Yankees or the Red Sox on Monday in a playoff or maybe a three-way tie. This is sort of how it was developing as the afternoon went along. The Yankees and the Rays were locked into this scoreless duel inning after inning. It felt like nobody could breathe in that game. In the middle of it, an incredible play by Gio Urshela of the Yankees. JT Chargois up in the bullpen for Tampa Bay. Only from the stretch, Chad Green. Here it comes. And Meadows lifts it, left side, foul ground over near the Tampa Bay dugout, hustling, and a long run for Rugnet Odor goes tumbling into the Rays dugout. He made the catch, also tumbling in and then signaling out in the dugout was third base umpire Lance Barksdale, but the Rays are calling over the medical staff of the Yankees. Oh, no. And he appears to be okay. He is up on his feet, walking under his own power. You can see he is in some discomfort, but the great sign is he's walking on his own. He's getting congratulations from his teammates in a play that Urshela clearly could really inspire the Yankees after a tremendous effort from Gio Urshela. Roxy Bernstein, Chris Singleton on ESPN Radio there. Yeah, an incredibly gutsy play by Urshela. He would stay in the game. In the bottom of the ninth inning, still 0-0, Yankees threatening, and that guy, Aaron Judge at the plate. One out, two and two. Kittredge, the pitch, swing, and a ground ball. Past the mound, fielded to the back at second, coming home way. It's safe, he scores, and the Yankees are headed to the playoffs. Yeah, Aaron Judge coming through, and here was Aaron Judge after the game. That's going to be a, a fun game right there. You know, it's going to be action-packed. You know, they're going to bring their A game. We're going to bring our A game. Uh, it's just going to be another great, you know, go down as another great game and, you know, this big rivalry we have. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. You know, we really, you know, we'd love to play at home, you know, especially that wild card game game but you know we were excited anywhere we went and you know getting a chance to go to Boston and play it it's going to be you know an exciting matchup for sure yeah at the moment that the Yankees won that game you didn't know if they were going to wind up being the host maybe watching a Red Sox Blue Jays playoff for the last wild card spot and early in the day it kind of looked like that might be the case the Red Sox and Nationals yesterday Washington was ahead at one point five to one but Alex Verdugo tied the score Bogarts at third Devers at first Outfield, a step towards left for Verdugo, the pitch. Line drive to right field, into the gap. One run at least will score. Devers to third. He's waved home. The Red Sox will tie the game. 
It's a two-run double for Verdugo, and it's 5-5 in Washington. Friend of the pods, Alex Verdugo coming through, tying the score for the Red Sox at from WEI. In the ninth inning, Rafael Devers, who had homered earlier in the game, came to the plate with a runner on base. 2-1 delivery from Finnegan. And he swings and rips one to center field. It's high, it's deep, it's back, it's gone! Devers gives the Red Sox a 7-5 lead. A tremendous home run to dead center. And the Red Sox lead it. And now are three outs away from being the first wild card. Here's what it sounded like in the bottom of the ninth. Nick Pavetta on the mound. It's one out away from a sweep. Nick winds, he kicks, he delivers. A curve, strike three, called, it's over. The Red Sox are going to postseason play for the first time since 2018. Rafi Devers with a huge game-winning home run in the ninth inning after Verdugo tied it with a big double. Sends the Red Sox to the wild card game. The New York Yankees will be here on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock for a one-game showdown. The Red Sox went nuts in their celebration. The Yankees went nuts in their celebration. Well-deserved for those two teams, making it as the wild card entrance in the American League. Here was Alex Verdugo after the game. I think in the beginning of the year, everybody counted us out. Um, you know, even at the half, too, everybody was kind of just saying, like, you know, it's a fluke. It's, you know, oh, they played well, whatever, and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, we we like the guys in our clubhouse, man. We, we know – what kind of offense we have. We know what kind of uh, team we have. And, you know, we know that we could, we could put up a big spot, you know, we could play, we can go real deep in this and and we just got to play our baseball, not get ahead of ourselves and, you know, just take it one day at a time. And, um, you know, I think, I think everybody inside of our clubhouse, we're all very confident with each other. Buster, before we move on, a couple things I would like to mention. First and foremost, ESPN Radio is going to be broadcasting all of the Major League Baseball playoff games from the wild card all the way through the World Series. Tuesday, October 5th, you can listen to that wild card game, tune in at 7.30 Eastern time, and then Wednesday, October 6th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time is your tune-in time for the NL wild card game. Also, while you're pacing around the house, chewing, waiting for a little more baseball action, ESPN has some quality football content for you. Organized Chaos with Rex Ryan and Bart Scott. That is out now wherever you get your podcast. They are recapping the weekend in NFL action, as is the ESPN College Football Podcast for College Football. Listen to both of those shows wherever you get your podcasts. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkton covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, how much fun was Sunday? <laughs> that was so great, Buster. Look, I, I know we didn't get any games on Monday, and I was really rooting for a game on Monday because I would have gotten to call a game on Monday. But that's not the point. The point is watching those games simultaneously in the green room It was just fantastic. Every pitch mattered. You couldn't take your eyes off any of the games. And you just wish baseball was like that every day. But if it was, I would be completely out of breath every day because I was totally exhausted by the end of the day. And I didn't even care who won. But it was just so great to see, oh, look what's happening in Seattle. Oh, look what happened in Yankee Stadium. And you can't take your eyes off it. So that was that was this good a day of watching baseball that I've had in 10 years since the final day of the 2011 season, you know, with that crazy night, I was in Baltimore that night. So I'll take that any day of the week. It was fantastic. Yeah. I thought the Yankees were tight in watching their game. You could tell their players are having a tough time breathing uh, through that zero, zero uh, first eight innings. And then I heard you on the baseball on baseball tonight last night. I'm like, boy, it was a tougher day for Tim than it was for the Yankees through that zero, zero. As we went. All right. You know, you know, this sound, this is from 1978. Deep to left. Yes. will not get it. It's a home run. A three run home run for Bucky. Then the Yankees now lead it by a score of three to two. Bucky Den has just hit his fifth home run of the air into the screen. And look at that Yankee bench led by Bob Lemon. And, of course, because the Red Sox and Yankees will be playing the American League wildcard game at Fenway Park on Tuesday night, ESPN will air it. There'll be baseball tonight's and sports centers and all kinds of stuff uh, coming from Fenway Park. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of sound like that from the 1978 playoff game, which was epic. Where were you, Tim, during that game? Well, I just graduated from college in May, so I was working at the Montgomery Journal writing high school sports, and I that was appointment viewing. We couldn't miss that, so I was at home watching that game on TV, and it was fabulous. And you know, given that the Red Sox were 14 games ahead and and came and the Yankees came back to win, that to me is what made that game so great. Is the story that led to that game. But the great part for me was only four years later, I was covering the Rangers every day for the Dallas Morning News. Don Zimmer was the manager. Uh, Mickey Rivers was on that team, former Yankee. And Bucky Dent was traded to that team 
that year. So I really got to talk to Mickey and Bucky and Don Zimmer about that game. So they told me all sorts of stories about that game and, and that team, that's what made it so special to me at the time. It was great. But then when I learned some of those stories years later, it was even better. So tell me your favorite of those. Little stories that you heard from within the at bat or within that game or within that inning. Yeah. uh, Bucky told me that every September the Yankees, he would go to Mickey Rivers and he would say, Mick, I really need the playoff money. You got to get us into the playoffs, whatever you do. And Mickey would go, yeah, yeah, I need I need the playoff money, too. And Mickey would play like like crazy for the month of September. He always played well and he was always played hard. But and, and Mickey, like, carried them into September, even though Bucky got the really big hit. Uh, in in 78. So I, I love stuff like that. And then this was not told to me directly, but the last play of that game, the runners on base and Carly Stremski comes to the plate and Greg Nettles remembers Yankee third baseman thinking to himself before the play, just hit a pop-up here, just hit a pop-up. And he hits this towering pop-up to Greg Nettles at third. And Nettles remembers saying to himself, but not to me. Like this was a really difficult <laughs> pop up, and he caught it, and it was over. But those are the kind of stories that that really make games like this so memorable. And I'm sure we'll have great memories from tonight, uh, tomorrow night's game between the Red Sox and the Yankees. I was totally invested in that game, Tim. Uh, in the Yankees losing. Uh, I was not a Red Sox fan growing up in central Vermont, as I've talked about in the podcast before. I was a huge Dodger fan. And because the Yankees and stupid Reggie Jackson had obliterated the Dodgers the year before with Reggie hitting three homers in the last game of the World Series, I so (laughs) was rooting against the Yankees. I skipped school that day to make sure I didn't start the beginning, uh, miss the beginning of the game. I'm 99% sure it started at two o'clock and my bus would have arrived home at 2.30 from school. So I was not going to miss the beginning of the game. I skipped school. Uh, I saw Carly Stremski hit the home run that gave the Red Sox a lead at 1-0 in the bottom of the first. And then my dad yells into the house, Buster, the cows got out. And, and just like the unfairness of life in that moment, knowing that I had to go and find this herd of, of Jersey cows uh, on the other side of the, uh, you know, long way away in our field and just weeping as I as I ran to go get them. Because I just I was going to miss parts of this game. I didn't know if I was going to see any of the rest of the game. I got him back by the fourth inning. We had a fence-busting cow named Debbie, who undoubtedly did that one as well. Uh, got them back, and so I got to watch the end of that game. And in the ninth inning after Bucky Dent's home run, Reggie Jackson hit another homer. They would go on to beat the Dodgers in the World Series again. And years later, when I met Reggie for the first time as a beat writer... Uh, when I was covering the Yankees in the New York Times, in the back of my brain, the whole conversation, Tim, as I was talking to Reggie was, oh, my God, I hated this guy. <laughs> I just love talking with him. And, and you know, we had great we've always had great conversations, but that's always been in the back of my head, how he made me cry repeatedly as a kid. Well, I'll tell you, Buster, when our cows broke out of our house at in Bethesda, Maryland in 1978, there's no way I'm leaving to go round them up. I can't believe you rounded up a bunch of cows. Good for you. I couldn't do that in a million years. Well, I mean, I got my dad telling me to go do it. There was no choice. Right. Understood. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the matchup specifically. Uh, going into this game, I really feel like on paper, a big advantage for the Yankees, 
Garrett Cole starting, but then that bullpen absolutely loaded up behind him. What do you think? Yeah, we saw that bullpen yesterday, uh, six shutout innings, Jonathan Loisega throwing 99, arm side run, sink. It was ridiculous how good he was yesterday. But you're right. That is the biggest strength right now of the Yankees is what they've added to that bullpen with Herman Severino. We're not sure how healthy these guys are, but for an inning, they sure seem okay. And but Loisega coming back has been the key. And I just don't know how the Red Sox got enough outs yesterday, but they did in a very in a tremendous comeback against the Nationals. But in one game, anything can happen. But, yes, the Yankees bullpen is the big uh, is the big advantage they have over the Red Sox, even though the Yankees aren't sure who's going to play the left side of the infield tomorrow night. That should be fun to watch also. And I feel like that Alex Cora in the next 24 hours is going to be scrambling, trying to find some arms. You know, you got Nathan Abaldi starting, uh, but the last time the Yankees faced him, uh, they hit him hard. And I, I've wondered, Tim, if just the sheer number of innings that he's thrown this year has caught up with him. What do you make of the Yankee or Red Sox pitching going this game? Because I feel like that Boston needs to have a couple bolts early, like a home run by Devers, you know, something, uh, you know, something from Xander Bogarts to get him going. Yeah, they do, because, again, I don't see how they have enough bullpen to give them five innings, six innings tomorrow. They're going to need more than that from Ivaldi. And you're right, he got hit hard the last night, and so did Garrett Cole. The last game we did on TV was Cole's last start against the Blue Jays, and he got hit hard. And, you know, I'm not used to him getting hit hard. He's so precise in everything he does, and he missed in the middle of the plate a bunch of times. Now, I do not anticipate that happening again, but they need Garrett Cole at his very best, and he was far from that in his last start. Uh, two potential injuries. Uh, Gio Urshela told reporters after the game yesterday that he'll be okay and he'll find his way back onto the field. But what an incredible play that was he made yesterday when he got hurt. And how about J.D. Martinez rolling his ankle, uh, going out to the outfield, not even like uh, you know running the bases. It was rolling his ankle as he ran out to the outfield and he stepped on second base in one of those player superstition and he's hurt to the degree that he had to come out of that important game. Well, in our baseball tonight, Buster, which you were part of, of course, last night, I asked Eduardo, have you ever seen that? And before I could even finish the sentence, he said, no, no, no. I've never seen anybody do that before. And I've seen a lot of guys roll their ankle on the base, never running out to play defense in between innings. That's why you never step on the base like that. They're slippery things. I'm not sure what he was thinking but let's hope he's okay. Let's hope Urshela is okay because that Urshela play was really dangerous and ridiculously good to not even care where he was. He just kept running till he caught it. The Toronto Blue Jays finished 91 and 71 and they don't make the playoffs. How do they look back upon their season? Well, they were one game short. Sorry. I feel terrible for them because they were a dangerous team, but they have to look back and say this is this was still a rebuilding year to some degree for them and it's still a real positive to win that many games but to lose Kirby Yates before the season even started to have to deal with some of the injuries to not have George Springer for at least a portion of the season 
I would be thrilled if I were the, the Blue Jays and their fans about the way that team played this year. Now, the key is where do they go from here? They're going to have to re-sign Marcus Simeon. You can't let that guy get away, not just because he had 45 homers, but because the way he conducted himself, moved around, worked with Bo Bichette, um, they got it. If, if they want to do this again, they're going to have to keep some of these guys they have to make sure they keep Robbie Ray and they're going to have to keep Marcus Simeon. Otherwise uh, a really good season is going to lose some luster. Seattle doesn't make the playoffs. How do they look upon their season, Tim? Well, again, first time they've won 90 games since 2003. First time they've really been in contention this late since 2006. It's been a long time. I would be thrilled yep. that, that, you know, they, the Mariners did what they did. Jared Kelnick's going to be a really good player. They've got a great outfield on its way. Mitch Haniger had a fantastic season after not playing at all last year. And some of the people they found in that rotation, Chris Flexen, some guys in the bullpen, Casey Sadler, they did some really nice things on that team. And I think they've got people stoked again in the, the great Northwest, but and they're probably going to lose Kyle Seeger to free agency, and that's not going to help. But I think they're on the way to, to making the playoffs at some point soon. The Giants blow out the Padres yesterday, and they win 107 victories. And they finish two games ahead of the Dodgers, who won 105 games. So if you're those two teams, and we'll talk about the Max Muncy injury uh, specifically in a moment, but if you're those two teams, tell me how you're feeling if you're the Giants and how you're feeling and how you should feel if you're the Dodgers. Well, you're feeling great if you're the Giants because they set a franchise record for wins, a record that had been set in 1904 when Christy Matthewson was on the team. I mean, my goodness. Uh, they were supposed to win 74 games this year, according to Caesars. They were supposed to win fewer games than the Diamondbacks. And they were the best team in baseball this year, period. They threw strikes. They swung really hard at strikes, and they hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, they don't have a whole lot of stars on that team, but they can hit a home run with one through eight in the order as well as anyone. Uh, their starting pitching was really good, and especially Kevin Gossman and Logan Webb, who pitched yesterday. Their bullpen was surprisingly good. I don't see any holes on this team right now, Buster. I don't see anything that would say, well, they can't win the World Series. Of course they can. They're that good. And the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers won the most games by a defending world champion since the 1939 Yankees. It's one of the greatest teams of all time. And the Dodgers pitching was so good this year. Their batting average against was 207. That's the wow. second lowest figure ever. 2000, I mean, the 1968 um, Indians were 206. So the Dodgers go in winning 100 games easily with absolutely dominant pitching. But I worry that no Kershaw because Kershaw was going to allow them to take Julio Urias and move him into the bullpen in that hybrid role that he was so great at in the postseason last year. Now they can't do that. Now he has to be their number three starter. And the Max Muncy injury, he's going to miss the division series if they get there. And they can fill in. They have Albert Pujols, they have Cody Ballinger. But one of the Dodgers told me recently, Max Muncy was our best offensive player by a lot this year. And now they're going to miss him potentially 
definitely for the wild card game and maybe for the next round if they get there. And I got to say, you know, Dave Roberts announced right after the game that, yeah, he's going to miss the wild card game. He'll miss the division series. Tim, I would be shocked given the nature of that injury if we see him, even if they were to advance through the World Series. How about you? What was the reaction in the green room when you guys saw that? Well, we were on the set and Eduardo played first base quite a bit in his career, of course. So first thing I asked was what happened there? Meaning that's happened to you. He talks about it all the time when that throw goes into the runner and that first baseman has to make a decision what to do on that play. And some guys move to the other side of the bag, but Muncie had no chance on that. The ball hit the runner in the middle of the back and Eduardo he flinched right away. And I said, how bad is that? He said, that's bad because it's happened to him before. So I hope we're wrong, but I would guess it's going to be, it's, we're not going to see much of him in October, if at all. And of course the Dodgers have to get through that wild card game against the Cardinals now. And I look, I, I have no doubt that in Las Vegas, that, you know, the Dodgers are favored to win. They're going to be playing at home. Tim, I look at that game as a complete coin flip knowing that Adam Wright, uh, Adam uh, Wainwright is going to be fully rested, <clears throat> that he'll have time to have prepared for that start. He and Yadi and Molina, uh, I'm sure, are having a lot of conversations uh, on their side of things. He's not going to be affected by the moment. We know Max Scherzer's not going to be affected by that moment. This is a fascinating matchup to me. And one of the interesting questions I have, Tim, is what – uh, Dave Roberts will do at first base because there are certainly combinations that he could play, you know, Cody Bellinger, maybe at first base. Um, but I wonder how he'll be pulled emotionally by the possibility of signing out or using Albert Pujols at first base in this game. Cause this year, Albert, you know, like a lot of, uh, hitters, as they get, get older, he struggled against high velocity pitchers. His OPS was under 600. The type of pitchers that he had a lot of success against with his OPS, uh, about 850 uh, was finesse pitchers. He he did well against those guys. And Adam Wainwright, you know, he'll be thrown from 70 miles an hour to 88 miles an hour, the type of pitcher that Albert hits against. And you know that his heart rate's going to be in good shape in that moment. And, and I'm sure Dave Roberts is going to think, you know what, this could be one of those, uh, you know, like a Kirk Gibson type moment where an old pro will respond to uh, the stage. And so I'm curious to see what he does at first base. What do you see in this matchup? Um, well, I love the, the Pujols-Bellinger decision. And Cody Bellinger has not swung the bat well, a little better lately. So I'm with you. I think he looks and says, I'm going to play Albert at first because he was born for these moments, even though he's not the hitter that he used to be. And I can't wait to see Adam Wainwright. He has had Buster in a lot of other seasons, a Cy Young season. But this year, with this ridiculous pitching in the National League with Wheeler and Burns and Bueller and Scherzer, uh, he's not going to win the Cy Young. But I take him right now with the way he's throwing in any game. And he's going to be up for this. And you're right. He and Yachty will come up with a great game plan for the Dodgers. And just keep in mind with the Dodgers, they led the league in run scored buster, but they just have been told they just haven't been the same offensive team, moving guys around, doing little things like that. We'll see if Wainwright can exploit that a little bit and pitch really well. And with Max Scherzer against Adam Wainwright, please sign me up for that one every day. Man. It's going to be an absolute blast. And I would love Albert to be in the starting lineup and walk up to home plate. And there's Molina, who's like his little brother. 
and he's staring at it, Wainwright, <laughs> get ready for those plate appearances. That will be so much fun. But before that, again, we've got the fun American League wildcard game on ESPN on Tuesday night. Tim, great to talk with you. Okay, Buster, good talking to you. I'll see you in Boston. I'm headed up today and can't wait to be there. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Tim and I talked about that 1978 playoff game. Well, in preparing for the podcast today, I thought how cool it would be if we heard the sounds of the Bucky Dent home run from the Yankees and the Red Sox radio broadcasters. Here's Frank Messer, the Yankees broadcaster, describing the Bucky Dent home run. And in the run-up, you'll hear Bucky Dent fouls the ball off his instep. And this was in a situation in which the Yankees had no other infielders available. Willie Randolph had strained a hamstring. Uh, they had taken Brian Doyle out of the game uh, earlier for a pinch hitter. So Bucky Dent had to stay in the game. Give a listen to Frank Messer. Runners first and second, two out. The pitch to him, tossing ball off his foot. Filed it down off his foot. That one hurt. Is that the same foot and hitting spring training? Brenner Gene Monahan has come out to check Dent. That one appeared to be down lower on the left leg. Brought the instep and was the one in spring training. But it hurts, and Monahan is out there to work on it. Look out, a ball and a strike on Bucky. Third base coach Dick Hauser, hoping this will not be his last game in uniform. Down there observing. When the season ends, when the Yankees play their final game, Hauser will take the uniform off for the last time. He moves on to Tallahassee, Florida, and takes over as head baseball coach at Florida State University. And now Bucky will step back in with a count of one ball and one strike. Runners at first and second, two outs here in the seventh inning. The Yankees are trailing 2-0. That is the key man. Stretched by Torres, the set, the kick, and the pitch. Hit deep to left field. This one may be off the wall, maybe in the screen. Home run! Home run for Bucky Dent. Home run of the Yankees leader, 3-2. Just in the net, in left field. And, and the entire bench is out on the playing field. The dugout has emptied, waiting for Bucky Dent, who has put the Yankees out in front. 3-2. 3-2. 
Yankees lead it on the death home run. And Frank Perez gets the ball up against the Bucky Den. Bucky Den hammered the ball into the net here in Fenway Park. So this was really cool for me. A find this morning. Uh, I learned baseball listening to Red Sox broadcasters Ned Martin and Jim Woods. Here was their call of the Bucky Den home run. Jim Woods was doing the play-by-play with Ned Martin uh, adding color. Give a listen. Mike brings it to him, and he started to go after it. Checked off at the ball. One ball, no strikes. Torres at the Rosen bag. Rohammer is almost sitting on the line at third now. Don't want anything going by him. Along that line and into a death well down in the corner. Yaz is well over toward left. Or toward the line. Torres to Dent. Bouncing foul out of play. Over in the on-deck circle and Bucky is limping. Flexed it right off his left foot. Now he's looking at it. All the Yankee brass sitting in tense fashion alongside of their dugout. Yankee trainer coming out. George Steinbrenner, Al Rosen. And now the trainer will examine the foot of Mr. Dent and we have a lull in the day's occupation here. looking into the Red Sox dugout and the crowd ever so quiet and they haven't been uh, this way too much today still a ways to go in this one and this is Fenway and this is for the whole big boodle baby all of it to see who goes on to Kansas City tonight to face the Royals tomorrow night 8.30 Eastern time and at 2.30 on Wednesday afternoon Thursday a day off here and then a Friday afternoon game and Saturday and Sunday night games if it goes five. All right, Dent finally gets back up and ready to go. One ball, one strike on Bucky. Shambles the runner at second, White on at first. And the crowd starts to build it up again. Torres in trouble. Got a big out on the pinch hitter, Spencer. Mike is set. Here's the pitch. There's a drive toward left. And Yastrzemski will watch it go into the screen. And the Yankees lead 3 to 2. He did that before here, too. Yankee dugout is all out to get Bucky Dent. He pulled the ball. Toward the foul pole, he has went back to play it off the wall, but it just did get up into the screen, and suddenly this whole thing has turned around. It is three to two, New York, on a three-run homer by Dent. Bleacher tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Monday ahead of the postseason. PK Steinberg wrote in over the weekend and he sent a uh, an interesting Photoshop of uh, you, me and a couple of bleacher tweeters, uh, Jeremy Termini, T. Jones and PK. Uh, and it's uh, it's titled N Schwink. It is uh, our faces over the uh, an NSYNC album cover. Uh, and he 
basically says, he says, thanks for a great regular season. Meet N Schwink and N Sync cover band, a hashtag man band featuring Buster Taylor, Jeremy T. Jones, and PK. Buster, do you feel slighted that he made me Justin Timberlake in this graphic? I guess I lead the Bleacher Tweet segment, but I always think of you as the JT of this podcast. Is that reference? No, uh, I, I totally get it. You are <laughs> the uh, you're the bottleneck for PK and whether or not his uh, Bleacher Tweets are read on air. So you can understand why he uh, gave you credit first. And you know what? That said, I'm going to break off as a solo act as soon as this uh, podcast is over. Fair enough. Let's go to Brian Roll at Brian Baseball 5. Brian writes in, new CBA pending, of course, but do you think Robbie Ray and Marcus Semien resign with Toronto? They seem like integral parts to that team. I don't think Simeon will sign with the Blue Jays. Um, look, I, I just have heard too much around the edges about how he wants to play shortstop and how he'd prefer to be in the West Coast. And I have not heard that from Marcus directly. Maybe that's uh, that's not online, but I'm hearing that from a lot of different people. I do think they'll re-sign Robbie Ray, pay what it takes, because he was so good for them this year. Absolutely. Let's go to our guy, Reggie Deal, at Baseball Deal RE. Reggie writes in, Hi, Buster. When evaluating the 2021 performance of teams, the following clearly seem due for manager changes, if not more. Padres, Mets, and in my view, perhaps the Phillies. Do you agree? Are you surprised the Rangers, Orioles, and Diamondbacks stay the course? Um, I'm not surprised that the Phillies will stay the course. It looks like with Joe Girardi, I, I know there's some speculation in Philadelphia. I think they'll wind up keeping him. We'll see. They're obviously going to be changed with the Padres and the Mets. Uh, the Rangers, no, not surprised based on stuff I've heard. I'm not surprised about the Orioles. Uh, we've talked on the podcast. This is not about Brandon Hyde, Mm-mm. the struggles in recent years. This is not about any players on the team. Uh, the Diamondbacks, it was a little bit of a surprise because they let go a lot of coaches in season or they, they made some coaching changes in season. That usually signals, as we saw with the Padres, that the manager might be hanging on the edge uh, whether or not to be replaced. The Orioles have made the uh, manager position obsolete for the moment. Paul Franz. Pretty much. Yeah. Paul Franz at Paul Franz writes, and how do you know when the issues with the bullpen are due to the pitching versus the way the bullpen is being managed? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Uh, And it's funny because, you know, Aaron Boone got a lot of scrutiny over the weekend for some of his managerial decisions. And then on Sunday, there wasn't a peep about his managerial decisions and, and the way he uses parade of relievers because it worked out. I mean, usually, Taylor, I think you'd agree with me. Everything is seen through the the prism of whether you win or lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if yep. you lose, you're an idiot. If you win, you're the greatest ever. Um, I do think in terms of bullpen decisions, uh, a key factor is how often you use these guys. You have to have managers who are disciplined in terms of holding back and not overusing relievers, especially early in the year. And I know their evaluators, other teams absolutely believe that that was a problem with the Padres, that they relied on their bullpen, the same guys heavily early in the year, And then by the end of the year, they all kind of fell apart. Let's go to Cody. Cody V. Matthews. Cody writes in, whoa, I've waited patiently for a week, but still no answer. Buster casually dropped his thoughts that Mike Trout will be playing left field next year in a podcast last week. What is the rationale here? Uh, That Trout, as he gets older, as uh, we saw with Torrey Hunter, when Trout came on, uh, they'll eventually move him to a corner spot. And the emergence of Brandon Marsh as an excellent defensive center fielder, Uh, I think makes that more likely that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So next year, if uh, in spring training, we hear from Joe Madden or maybe during the off season that that uh, what they're going to do with Trout, that would not surprise me at all. And Mike Trout is a lot like Barry Bonds in that 
you know, there's so many elements to to his game that, you know, among the best ever, throwing is not one of those uh, skills that he has. Throwing is the weakest of all of his skills. Last one for the regular season. Matt at Kayaking Smith writes in Buster Taylor. Thanks for taking us through another great season. You guys were awesome. Do you have a favorite moment or stat from the season that you'd like to talk about today? Matt, uh, I'm just going to use this opportunity to say thanks to everybody who listens and thanks to the Bleacher Tweeters. I love doing this particular segment every day, uh, you know, getting feedback, uh, you know, talking about what you guys want to talk about. So I'll throw it back at you, uh, Matt, as we go forward this week. Send in a stat that you want us to talk about uh, because you guys all did that so well during the course of this year. I love that, Buster. I I agree with your sentiments there. Thanks for everyone who writes in each and every day. We love the listeners. We could not do this without you. So keep sending them in as the postseason progresses. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And I know there's a lot of like casual baseball fans who, you know, pick up in the postseason, you know, probably a lot of Orioles fans who might have checked out uh, basically all season. But postseason action, I mean, that's a good time. So if you have someone like that in your life, you know, be sure to circle back with them and be like, hey, I know a good pod. They're getting after it every day. They're recapping all the action. Send them our way. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim and to Taylor and to Frank Messer and to Bill White and to Ned Martin and to Jim Woods, who added their voices today. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.